Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cultured Curators. Uh, we're here with Ben and Rabia. My name is Rabia. And I'm Ben. Hello, hello. And this is our first official episode, Ben. Yeah, I mean, we, we did a little intro, but now we're here to actually like uh, dive a little bit more into what's going on, what, we're, what we want to actually do here. So Exactly. I, th I think like it's important that our audience uh, gets to know us and kind of uh, gets an idea of like where we're coming from. But I, I would, uh, I think something that will give everybody even playing ground about where we come from, uh, the film introduced me to you mm -hmm. and that we uh, developed a little community around zombie ass toilet of the dead. We should probably yes. talk a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'll give a little intro to that because um, it starts off March 29th. A um, horror family, good morning horror fam room was opened on Clubhouse and at one point was decided to keep open 24 hours. This ended up being a one month and three weeks and that, that room kept on going for one month and three weeks, no stops, no breaks. And that's where Ben and I met. And the main um, bonding in that room, we, we like the, the thing that weeded out, you know, the weirdos and the cool people <laughs> uh, was zombie ass uh, from 2011, Toilet uh, of the Dead, which is a Japanese, I call it a trauma film, Japanese trauma. Yeah, it's kind of like some strange exploitation thing. Yes. It's a curiosity for sure. Definitely, definitely. And that, you know, if if you somebody loves zombie ass, you know that they're they're your people, basically. So you came in and you liked zombie ass, and I was like, that's my people right there. For sure. And it's it's like I, I entered the space and everybody was already kind of like, Oh, this is an inside joke. People are people are watching this and like there's this this halo of a trash haze that floats above the film, like you say, zombie ass mm -hmm. toilet of the dead. The first off, you know, the people that are not going to engage in it are are gonna are aren't the crowd that you want. You want the people who are going to be uh, accepting of this curiosity, engage in it, and then be able to sit there and talk to you about it and say, oh, whether whether you liked it or not, at least mm -hmm. we, we're here to 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 have the common ground of being traumatized by this uh, <laughs> this film about eldritch tapeworms that are being like inserted into people's bodies turning them into zombies and then eventually making some strange power ranger level flying entity yes yes just like to give a snippet of an idea and and and, and go watch the movie if if this in any way you know tickles your fancy um but yeah the, it's at one point, there is indeed a Power Ranger-like fight, but it is the the, the parasites come out, literally out of their asses, so they're butt up, face down, and then those entities are fighting each other. It's there are no words. <laughs> if you're already scared of zombies, imagine a, a zombie bending over and then chasing you ass forward with a, a tentacle that has a mouth on the end, like a yeah. horrendous tapeworm coming after you. <laughs> like, that's the thing that's here. So this is required reading for the culture curated crowd. Mm -hmm. There will be a test. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it, it, I mean that's that's the thing that started it all. You know the people who like zombie ass will 
like all the other stuff that you come up with. So after Zombie Ass, there was this whole roller coaster of let's do watch parties, let's talk about more horror movies and other stuff. And um, yeah, and then we got yeah. to know that, you know, we have similar tastes in things. For sure. And like, not only like taste, but like we, we can indulge in the lowbrow and, uh, and elevate it and, yes. and recognize the craftsmanship and the, the curiosity and the fun that can be had and things like that. And that expands mm -hmm. to not, not just like film that expands to all things, but, yes. um, yeah, all the, all the films that came after that, we've combed so much of Shudder and Arrow and YouTube and Netflix just yeah. to, uh, to watch so many films. And I, I think like you've developed at least one comes immediately to mind this, this weekly uh, uh, focus on, on different countries, histories of horror like that. That's a project that's come out specifically from this, right? Yes. Yes. So what happened is um, it was this running joke that whenever you know, a movie was mentioned or a topic was mentioned, Robbie would come in with the knowledge and <laughs> I would like go off a rant about, you know, how a specific mythology or um, religion had sprung forth this idea of this amazing Asian movie or, you know, African movie or even European movie or, you know, even American movie. Um, and that resulted in um, Andrew, one of the members of the community, saying, like, oh, you should start a show on that, like a, a weekly recurring room, basically. And I said, yeah, well, I don't like talking to myself <laughs> for an hour. I mean, we don't like doing it. We do, we, we do it once we are under duress and, and yeah. held up in a cave for a year. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly then we'll start babbling to ourselves but we're mostly babbling to you know the demons around us yeah. um so um i told andrew like i'll do it if you you know do it with me and andrew's like yeah fine so we started the global horror series and we're this week like uh already at because this is the week of june 11th so today friday will be our fourth episode and but it's been insane because our first episode if for anyone who knows um uh, I'm, I'm crazy into asian horror especially indian horror south korean uh, indonesian and our kickoff episode was indonesia and i just you know I had some contact online with Joka Amwar for, for those who know him. He is the, currently the king of Indonesian horror. Absolutely incredible films. Yes, yes. From things like um, Satan's Slaves to... Queen of Black Magic. Yes, yes. But he's also currently building like the um, Indonesian equivalent of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is called the Bumilagit uh universe in indonesia where he's doing gundala which is an indonesian superhero so this guy's huge in indonesia and i sent him a tweet with the time and a link to the episode like the live stream and i was like you know fingers crossed like a hail mary let's just see and he showed up on time and spent wow. two and a half hours with us oh. our first episode <laughs> <laughs> absolute <laughs> king yeah it was insane and it's simply because we had 
other you know stuff uh planned right after that episode that we at one point had to cut him off um but otherwise this man could have gone for two more hours at least so i was super humbled super just joyful um that our first episode was like such a huge huge you know banger um unfortunately i only have a recording of the last 45 minutes of that episode because there wow. was no <laughs> there was no uh, uh stuff in place like i didn't i wasn't expecting it so we, there was no stuff in place to actually yeah. record it or anything and then i was like oh i need to do something so i started voice memoing <laughs> on the spot i mean you had this like serendipitous event you like you you yeah. were you had already exposed yourself for a week to indonesian films so you had like a nice yes. catalog of the history of that and then like it became something so much bigger just mm -hmm. because of the, your dedication to the task you know yeah yeah definitely definitely and and that's kind of the thing that's you know that's what I love about online, like there's so many bad things about being online, but if you really find yeah. your community, you can really find a way to, you know, help each other out, but also do stuff that you'd love to do. And that brings me to you, by the way, because um, uh -oh. <laughs> apart from doing this podcast with me, um, you got cast in an awesome upcoming horror short. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like the, the same community that uh, has been traumatized by zombie ass toilet of the dead. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Ariel Basca, um, whom is close friends with the, the entire community, was um, she was already well into work on this this short film that I think uh, probably was born about the same time that the the clubhouse um, Good Morning Horror Fam community uh, developed. Yeah. And uh, uh, she had cast it, um, was already in rehearsals. I think she had had three rehearsals with it. And one day she, she just in passing says something along the lines of, I would love to have anybody here come be a part of the production if, if at all interested. And, you know, actors, there's, there's a limited number of slots for actors in a film. It's written and there's like three people. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm always happy to help. And, and, and especially my friends, like as, a, as an artist, as an actor, there, there's a few rules in place. Like it's gotta be either people that I really wanna work with, a project that uh, inspires me thoroughly or something that, that pays the bills properly. And um, uh, this community of, of people to, to be inspired by and be uh, friends with, like I was like, yeah, of course I'll do, I'll do whatever just to be, <laughs> be around you. Yeah. So um, I say, hey, I, you know, I don't know how I could be helpful or if, if it's at all feasible, but I, I'll lend whatever I can. And there was this place in the production where Ariel needed to um, uh, transition the, the role uh, that she ended up casting me in. And so now I've, I've joined onto the production. It's called Our First Priority. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be shooting here at the end of June and um, I'm gonna go down to Virginia and uh, we're gonna spend a week uh, shooting this, this film. It's about, it's, about um, it's, it's a short horror mm -hmm. that touches upon uh, gaslighting uh, in the medical industry and, and the traumatizing effects of that. And um, it's, it's this really interesting kind of memory play or morality tale. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it touches on um, the warping of memories and uh, how to deal with these traumas in, in an interesting way. And I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of it because Ariel's 
an incredible mind and uh, an incredibly generous person. So like at the very root of everything, I'm happy to be making things with people that I enjoy um, with a community that I want to be a part of. Cause I think community is, is really, 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 really important. Yes. People, oh. people holding each other up and embracing each other and, and helping inspire each other. Well, and, and that's the whole thing. I think that's the nice part of, you know, it started with zombie ass, but now we've, we've, we've grown all to a point where indeed we're working together. We're starting projects together. Like, you know, people are veering off into their own like sub um, uh, things. And it, there's just so much happening where, you know, this, I have, I need more coffee, but <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm so, I'm still sipping mine. So everybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but what I'm, what I was trying to say, not very eloquently, is that um, it's amazing to see if you have all the right ingredients there and people have their hearts in the right place and are looking at it from a build up uh, mentality instead of a use up uh, mentality. That there's so much interesting things that can be born and uh, relations that can can uh, fruitfully uh, develop from that. I mean, who would have thought, you know, two months ago that you and I would go on this side tangents of Teruichi and oh, wow. discover Pinky Violence and just started doing marathons of horror oh, of Malford oh, Men. Please. Oh. Yes, and you are completely in love. But then, you know, we, there was this connection that I didn't even know because um, I'm into dance and I, I watch a lot of modern dance and things. But you instantly recognized the Buto choreographer um, yeah, yeah. in the first one that we watched. I, what was the first title? Was it Orgies of Edo, the first one that or, we watched? Orgies of Edo, yeah. yeah. So for the, also, for those who don't know, Taro Ishii is a Japanese film director from the late, 60s i think yes. right like late 60s, 60s and 70s yeah yeah and and the films that that we're mentioning here like orgies of edo and um uh, uh oh my gosh. Horror, horrors of malformed men for instance or inferno of torture these inferno all yeah, these all fall. <laughs> these all fall under a specific subgenre within Japanese horror, which is called pinky violence, and it's called pinky because it has a slight um, erotica or softcore element to it. So that's the pink part, um, and um, those in Japan are called pink ega, but because this is a violent. Uh, corner of the pink ega it's called pinky violence uh because it it veers more towards sadism and uh horror i think uh it it, it was uh, a history lesson for one thing i like i had this vague notion that these films existed but like yeah. all of a sudden we're diving into these like we we watched orgies of edo yeah. simply because i had seen a film uh in in one of the uh, wonderfully curated DVD shops here in, in New York City. Mm. I just pulled it off the, the shelf and said, this is a curiosity. I'll probably never get to watch it. <laughs> and you were gung-ho uh, to, to watch this film with me. And then it just kind of spurred this little uh, deep dive into pinky violence. And while we're watching that film, um, yeah, the, the, the originator of Buto, um, uh, or one of the two, uh, uh, Oh gosh, why did mm -hmm. I go? Uh, Tatsumi Hijikata. Yes, um, he's he's very 
heavily focused there and especially in um, malformed men he yeah. is the antagonist of the film and I had never even known him to be in a in a, in a movie like I've I've studied him I've watched many documentaries I've read books but like for some reason that that little beautiful nugget escaped my my radar and so like that that just goes to show there's always more uh, inspiration and information to be mined from things but um, yeah that was like a a wonderful little tangent that we went on in in that community there. Yeah. And I loved it because I mean obviously at the end there's this big moment at the end of Orgies of Edo that kind of sold it for for the both of us cuz it has beautiful imagery. There's a lot of also um uh, shibari that that happens in in these movies. There is uh, uh interesting types of um ancient torture uh, being applied in these movies all around women's bodies mostly um uh teruishi uh also works with like the same actors in 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 his most important films so like the main titles that we watched but what i found interesting is that we watched the ending of orgies of Edo, and i will not give it away for anyone who still wants to go see it it is available on the streaming service arrow right now um, yes we were just shocked like we we stopped talking rewound that those last three minutes watched it again and then just sat there a little like shocked him almost in silence like oh my god did that just did that happen did that they showed that they did that they showed that and that's how the movie ends like on and that for, note for being as desensitized as we are in the mm -hmm. year 2021 that was that came out in the 60s like yes. And nobody like it's not it's not you know part of the the mass uh, subconscious. We don't we are not all aware of these things. But there's been beautiful art, um, subversive art, dark mm -hmm. art that's been being produced for such a long time. And mm -hmm. it's simply you have to you have to seek it out and and find these things and uh, share it with people that you love. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's so gorgeous because I've heard a lot of Edo art um, and Edo art um, uh, of the Japanese. And I've seen some stuff when I was back in uh, in Kyoto and, and uh, in Tokyo like a few years back. But to see it in film form and to sh be shown like as openly because we normally, well, I say we, I mean the West normally thinks of Asia as very, you know, um, not coquettish, but um, uh, yeah, there's like there's like an aura of oh, they're shy, they're not yes, sexual. yeah, exactly, like sexually repressed, maybe. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, like oh, we are so you know we are so open in in the West, and we we you know we explore sexuality much more uh, publicly, whereas that's not true in Japan. There is so much apart from you know anime and hentai and um uh, a lot of edo art that came from from the these eras that are portrayed in the teroishi films there's so much pinky content as as they call it like softcore and hardcore content that is part of the mainstream there um yeah. that we haven't even touched upon and uh, i would love to to dive even deeper into that um, oh yeah I think I think this is the, the the place to do such a thing. Oh yes, definitely. I, well, well, a little uh, side note there. I like mm -hmm. I when I visited uh, Japan as well. Um, I didn't expect 
all the um, erotic uh, influences and uh, moments that would occur. Not like they're completely erotic, but like mm-hmm. um, I remember I was I was walking through Asakusa in um, in Tokyo, and mm-hmm. uh, I was approached by a gentleman about the the, the nearby um, red light district. And I wasn't aware I was near the red light district, but it was like, it was a very simple thing that I don't, you know, I don't get approached about those kinds of things very often. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like a first moment of like, there's a sexual undertone in this place that I wasn't aware of. I was here for the, for the beautiful temple. And all of a sudden that comes into play. And then when I'm in Kyoto, I go to this, uh, this lovely bar, a jazz bar, Mm -hmm. um, just off the main strip. Uh, and uh, the bartender is like, oh, you should look at the, the, the books on the shelf. And then I pull down a book and it's all Japanese old woodblock prints of erotica. And he's like, yeah. this is Jap- Japanese history. This is our Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out that this guy is a notorious like uh, uh, character. And we just happened <laughs> to stumble into his bar. Of course, <laughs> perverts finding perverts. But, uh, this this subtone of sexuality that isn't it's lost in translation. And I think it's a, uh, it's a sad thing because like, you know, if we're all embracing sexuality and uh, the expression of it in a creative format, um, uh, we'll all do better and we'll all understand each other better. So why are we, why are we trying to picture an entire part of the planet as not sexed? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that, you know, we've, we forced this, um, how do you call it? Um, oh, my 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 head is blanking on the word. Where where? Yeah, puritanical. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Yeah, so like this purity notion of like, oh, you have to be like, you know, you have to cover up. You can't talk about sex in in public, and if you do, you're a pervert or weird or oversexed. Whereas yeah. if these conversations were more normalized and more mainstream, I think people would be able to. Um, you know, it, when you remove the taboo, basically, it becomes more accessible also for other people because there, yeah. the repression that occurs in a lot of places is because of the taboo that is placed upon these topics. Yeah, I think it, it develops unhealthy fascinations and persecution yeah. and and danger for for people who want to engage in these because the environments in which they have to seek these out all, all of a sudden become subversive places where where power can be taken by people without your best interests at play. So yeah. by bringing these things to the forefront, by being able to say sexuality is A, cool, fine, natural, it's okay to express yourself, especially amongst consenting uh, adults. Yes. To, to be able to make these choices without the the shame that comes from a society that says they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, we can all be safer. We can all be better. We can all um, expand our experience and savor life a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. And I think this whole taboo comes from a very patriarchal notion, you know, where uh, partners are deemed to be untouched because being touched back in the day meant that, you know, your your this the seed that 
<laughs> that would be going in. You wouldn't know if your child was yours. But we are far from that. You know, this is not Middle Ages anymore. We are we are not in, in such old times anymore that that is a necessity. But for some reason, you know, especially those who uphold the patriarchy have clinged on to this notion that whoever they, um, you know, fornicate with... <laughs> It has to be like pure and untouched because otherwise their experience will not be optimal for some reason. Whereas I'm more of the notion that if someone's a consulting a, a adult and they've, you know, been around and had their fun and had different experiences, that can only benefit a partner in the future because Agreed. someone is more in tune with their body, with their wants, with their needs, with their likes, and they can express that better so that both of you can enjoy the experience more. Agreed. I think like I, 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 I admire so deeply a, a, um, uh, an educated partner, a person whom um, uh, can, can come to, to the table with what they understand of themselves, what they're curious about, to be able to express those things thoroughly. And no no shame to anybody who's inexperienced. I myself am quite inexperienced. But I, I like the idea um, of, of a person that that has autonomy and, and a desire for fulfillment and and uh, endlessly pleased by people who who pursue those things. So you know we should we should embrace that as as a society, as as a world and be like, hey guys, there's there's not an inherent value in, in, in being inexperienced. Um, and there's no, there's no shame in the inexperience either. No. The, thing, the thing that will feed us all better is a, a curiosity and yes. a, lack, a lack of judgment, you know, prejudgment. I am all for that. And I think curiosity is something that people should have from the day they, were, they are born till the day they, they close their eyes uh, yeah, for eternity. Don't let that fade on you guys. Yeah, definitely. And it's same same goes for me because the thing is like, oh, I know stuff for work and I know stuff because I'm an expert that's for hire. But at the same time, I never stop learning. It's not that I, at one point I'm like, okay, I've gotten this title. I'm being hired for this. So that's the acknowledgement that I need. I'm now going to stop learning. No, I will always keep on asking questions, reading books, watching movies, consuming content, going to shows to uh, ballet, to uh, performative arts, anything and everything. I, I want to try new foods. I want to travel to new places. And that will never die in me because the moment it does, I die, basically. I, I think there's this interesting idea in my head about what it means to master something. Mm -hmm. And the idea of once you've come to a level of expertise or a level of craftsmanship in any skill set or anything, mm -hmm. the recognition that nothing is so solid that um, it cannot be adaptable. Like the ability yes. to adapt your skill set to the environment, to, to be able to utilize that tool for all sorts of things that it wasn't necessarily expressed as, as a tool for in the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's like the, the honing of mastery and like expertise to be able to bring in these outside influences to see where the connections come into play. These are the, these are the uh, beautiful aspects of like really passionately following something. And, uh, you know, mastery is a hard word because it does, it does mm -hmm. have this inherent like elitism to it or something, but I'm, you know, coming from a, a martial arts background and an arts background, mm -hmm. the word mastery comes into play quite a bit. And I, I am fascinated with people who, 
who dive so heavily into into topics and subjects and skills and um yeah yeah no but i totally agree with you because if you have an eclectic taste and uh, it it only helps your mastery further as well because you bring different perspectives to it if you only you know you bake cookies you eat cookies and you never try cake or bread or any other baked goods then you might not be able to create something like melon pan which is a japanese uh, combination of of a cookie on top of a bun basically and those are baked together and that gives two different textures in one amazing dessert basically. all right i gotta go get one of those i've never had one of those. yeah melon pan and um the reason why i'm mentioning it as an example is is that if you only focused on cookies your whole life then you would never incorporate the bread with the cookie and create something like melon pan whereas if you have an eclectic taste like sometimes my food uh knowledge or my you know my asian background and the fact that i specialize in other things like tech outside of pop culture comes into play with the stuff that I run into as a pop culture expert as well. So yeah. these things intermingle. The world is not separated streams of knowledge. You know, these things bleed into each other and they should. So we hope to inspire that uh, with our listeners as well. Yeah. Definitely. Develop this wonderful interconnected uh, curiosity because obviously, like we, you know, we're we're moving through topics and 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 it's a webwork of things. Mm -hmm. And I think like it's hard of hard for me to maintain a, a forward stream if anybody hasn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but like to be able to help develop uh, maybe some curious subjects that will inspire other people to explore themselves, explore the world a little better. Like, I think that's, that's where we're going with this, with this cultured curation of the world. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and with that, I think this is a good point to maybe end our first episode. I love this experience. I hope you enjoyed it too, Ben. I did. I love, I love it. We're off the cuff. We're having fun and people are going to have fun too to listen to this. I hope so. I really, really hope so. I'm always a little, I always debase myself a little bit. And I'm like, always like, mm, I'm a little hard on myself, but I'm very hard on myself. But sometimes <laughs> people pay good money for those types of thrills. And that's just how it works. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, thank you, everybody for listening. Um, if you don't know, we are also on socials. We're not very active yet, but that will definitely come in time. Our Instagram is at the cultured curators. And our Twitter is at the cultured curators. Singular. We also have a special Discord for the Culture Creative Fam. If you want to uh, see what we do throughout the week and have a little more, a little more contact with other like-minded people, the link will also be in the episode notes. So, um, and the website's coming up soon. Did I forget anything, man? I don't think so. Just uh, love everybody. Thanks yeah. Okay, thank you everyone and a goodbye to you all. Till the next one. Bye.